Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word, reveal Jesus to me, and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. The gospel is not complete without the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that with me. The good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, is not complete without without the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Robert? Isn't it just good enough to tell people about Jesus? It's not. That's why Jesus told His disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8, You can look at it later. He says, I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to wait. I don't want you to go preaching. I don't want you to go reaching. Because you're going to receive the promise. You're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you. And you're going to receive the power you need to be my witnesses in the earth. So they were not allowed to go preaching the gospel, teaching the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus until they received the same person, the same power that Jesus had so that he could fulfill his ministry. Can you say amen? I don't think that I think about that as much as I should. I can kind of get into Christian mode. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm kind of familiar with some of this stuff. But we have to remember, if we really want to experience the life that God has for us, in us, and through us, We have to learn to rely on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've been on this series that we're calling Living an Empowered Life, subtitle, Understanding the Importance of the Person and the Power of the Holy Spirit. We're weeks into this. We've passed out three different study guides. The first study guide focused on the person of the Holy Spirit. The second study guide focused on the power of the Holy Spirit, and this third study guide that you have focuses more on the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And a key text for this particular study guide is found in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20. I'm going to read through it to kind of give us a jump start. This is what the Bible says. And Jesus said to them, his disciples, go into all the world And preach the gospel to every person. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. I could say this. In my name... They will speak.
speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. That's divine protection. They will lay hands on the sick, and they, the sick, will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord was working with them and confirming the word. They were conf- he was confirming the message through, how was he confirming it? Through the accompanying signs. Amen. Someone say signs. Signs. So just a little bit of a reminder. The word signs means a mark or a token. That which a person or a thing is distinguished from others and is known. That's a sign. So these are some signs that would be on the followers of Jesus' lives as they went out preaching and sharing the gospel. And we went through the signs. In the Greek culture, this word signs was used and applied to a document in order to guarantee its authenticity. Authenticity. So the sign was validating or bringing authenticity to the life of the followers of Jesus. That's what we're seeing in this context. And it's also important for us to keep this in mind. When we're referring to these signs, we're talking about supernatural authenticating signs that follow or go along with followers of Jesus. Pastor Robert, are are you saying that if I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm believing and I'm leaning into this, that some of these signs should be on my life? Well, more importantly, it's not what I'm saying. It's what the book is saying. Amen? Now, I realize that for some of us, that could be like, mind-blown. I, I, you lost me. I, I can't ever see myself doing those things. Well, and that, that's why we're talking about this. Because when you got saved and when I got saved, the Bible says that we were translated or transferred into the kingdom of heaven on earth. And so we're supposed to be learning to renew our minds And think in alignment with God's Word, not this earthly realm that we live in. These are supernatural signs. They're not always spectacular, but they're definitely divine. And they're with the power of God who brings these signs to pass. If you remember last week, we talked about engaging the Great Commission. If you missed it, get it. It's a great reminder. We have a great testimony of Alex from our TKK campus sharing how God's using her to win children to Jesus and minister the love and the life of God of Jesus in her complex where she's living. We also gave four action steps to help you and I engage or step into the Great Commission. If we're not careful, we can get ourselves to heaven and not be concerned about sharing Jesus with anybody else. And a genuine follower of Jesus is learning to develop a concern for people around them and want to share the gospel with them. Today, we're going to look at sign number two. Let's look at Mark 16, 17 again. Let me read it real quick. This is what it says. Jesus is speaking. And these signs 
will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Remember, that also means taking authority over darkness. Taking authority over demonic oppression. Taking authority over the enemy who's harassing your life. We need to learn to do that. But here's what I want to focus on. They will speak with new tongues. Say that part with me. Come on. They will speak with new tongues. Here's the title of today's message, and it's in your study guide. The title of today's message is, They Will Speak With New Tongues. And the subtitle I'm giving it is this, The Purposes and Uses of Tongues, or the Gift of Tongues. Scripture teaches that speaking in tongues is the supernatural ability to pray, praise, and prophesy using languages, both human or heavenly, that were never learned and are not understood by the person speaking. That's what the Scriptures teach. I realize that there are a lot of varying opinions on this subject. I also realize that there is some confusion about this subject. So lean in with me. I'm trusting that your heart is open to the Scriptures, not first and foremost to Pastor Robert, but to the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures to see what the Scriptures say so that we can be assured of whether or not tongues is for today, if they're for real, and if we can cut through the confusion and the gunk. The Apostle Paul, he affirms, he validates this gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, and verse 28. You know what? Let me double check. I think that's supposed to be 1 Corinthians. Even if I'm just mentioning it, I don't want to make a mistake. That's first, uh, chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Somebody say 14. Yes, it's chapter 14, not, not 12. Uh, chapter 14, verses 10 and 28. Let me double check. Let me double check. Is it? No, it's not. First Corinthians 12.10 says this. Let me just make sure. I don't want to make a mistake. Yeah, it's First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm just being hard on myself. I don't want to mess up. Okay? So Paul affirms this. Listen to what he says real quick. He says different kinds of tongues... In 1 Corinthians 12.10. And then in 1 Corinthians 12.28, he says varieties of tongues. Different kinds and different varieties. Now, these words kinds and varieties, uh, they basically mean different classifications, different categories, or we could say it this way, real easy to understand, different types or different groupings of tongues. For example, 1 Corinthians 13.1. You've heard this verse before. He says, though I speak... With the tongues of men, say men, that's humans, right? And of angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. What does he mean by that? Well, if you're not operating in love, it doesn't matter if you have the gift of speaking in tongues or you have the most eloquent speech in your human natural native tongue. Everything has to be exercised from a place of love. So it refers to tongues of men and of angels. Tongues of natural human dialect and then tongues that are supernatural or tongues that you don't understand. Prayer language tongues, and we're going to talk more about that. It's something that bypasses your mind, but it's supernatural. Now, the word tongues, if you want to know, it's the Greek word glossa, G-L-O-S-S-A. 
And it simply means the tongue, a body part or organ of speech. In short, it's referring to language or languages. And in 1 Corinthians 14.5, the first half, this is what Paul said. Listen, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Paul said that. I wish you all spoke with tongues. And in 1 Corinthians 14.39, he said this, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Some of you might be, Pastor Robert, I don't understand. What does that even mean, prophesy? Prophesy is a gift, and it just means to bring something from the Lord in English that people can understand that would encourage people, like a prophetic word of encouragement. It's not something that you necessarily came up with on your own, the Holy Spirit in you, kind of like what I did this morning. I felt like that was a nudge from the Lord, and I came up here and I delivered that to encourage, to inspire, to strengthen. That's a prophetic word. So Paul's saying, listen, I want you guys to prophesy and say, and, so important, do not forbid. What does forbid mean? Don't stop, right? Don't stop. Don't forbid. Don't keep keep people from speaking with tongues. Now, if you missed the message a couple weeks ago entitled, What is Speaking in Tongues? You need to go back and get that. I can't go through all of that right now, but that would be a good one. Or you can go back in your study guide here in Volume 3 and look at that. In study guide on page 30, I want us to move forward. There are three different purposes to tongues and four different ways tongues are used. This morning, listen, for time's sake, we're only going to cover the three different purposes of tongues with teaching and only mentioning the four ways tongues are used. But for the entire study or the entire teaching, you'll have to go home and read through the study guide. I can't go through all seven of these points today right now. I just don't want to do that. So here we go. The different purposes of tongues. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down or it's in your study guide. Okay? Uh, Number one, or letter A, I should say, personal communion with God. Say it with me. Come on. Personal communion with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. Listen to what this says. Paul speaking. This is a teaching. He says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Mysteries. Now, let me just unpack this just a little bit, okay? The word mysteries means secrets revealed only to the initiated. In other words, these are secrets in the Spirit that are only revealed to people that are in the family. The family of God. Okay, that's what the word mysteries means. And it's important you understand that because I think in the ordinary sense, when we hear the word mystery, it implies knowledge that's withheld or knowledge that you can't tap into. But in the scriptures, for a believer, the significance is in truth or knowledge revealed, not withheld. Okay, so when we're praying, we're praying to God in tongues or in the Spirit, and we'll talk more about that. We're praying directly to God, and He understands the mysteries 
or the things that are mysterious in our prayers because he knows everything about everything. So he gets it. He gets it 100%. So I want you to hear this. Speaking in tongues provides a supernatural direct connection to God by the Holy Spirit that energizes our spirit and sharpens our prayers and spiritual senses to move forward in faith beyond our limited understanding. Think about this. If there was a way for you and I to pray beyond our limitations, beyond our confusion, beyond the doubt, beyond trying to figure out exactly what to pray and how to pray and when to pray, if there was a way to pray the perfect will of God, in every circumstance or every situation you're in, wouldn't you and I want to pray that way? That's praying in tongues. You can't miss it. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. This is the Bible. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. This is what he said. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What does that mean? He says, I'm praying directly by my spirit, I don't understand with my mind what I'm praying. goes on and he says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. So we're not saying that you should never pray in English. We're saying at times we can pray in this gift of tongues that transcends our human limited understanding, and it goes into a place, it's a direct connection with God, and it's praying the exact perfect will of God even though in your mind you don't get what you're praying. It's perfect. It's an alignment. It's mysterious, but God gets it. He hears you. It's from the deepest part of who you are. We were doing that this morning. There were five of us this morning before service in a room, and we were praying for you. We were praying for our service. We were praying for our kids. And as we're walking around, we're praying. We're praying in English. We're praying the Scriptures. But then we shift. And we're praying in the Spirit, right, Joni? We're praying. In, what are you praying? What is that? We're praying the perfect will of God. God, I know you don't, you, you don't have any limitations like I do, so we're just going to pray. We don't know exactly what to pray. We don't know exactly who to pray for because we're looking at human beings, but we're going to pray in tongues. We're going to pray in the Spirit, believing you're catching everything that we're praying and that you're moving in hearts and lives, and we're praying. What does that sound like? Sounds like you're just switching gears on the inside. And you go from English and then you hear, And you're just praying. I don't know what I'm saying. People around me don't know what I'm saying. But you're praying in the Spirit. Pastor Robert, I heard every time you pray in tongues, you've got to bring an interpretation. We're going to talk about that. That's where there's some confusion. I'm going to show you what the Scriptures say about that. Some of you are thinking, that sounds weird. That's okay. It's not human. It's supernatural. It's beyond our human limitations. It's from the Scriptures. Paul prayed this way all the time. Notice Jude 20. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Let me just read it. It says this. But you, beloved, building yourselves up, on your most holy faith, praying in, what does it say? The Holy Spirit. Well, that means you're praying in English, but you're also praying in tongues. Pastor Robert, it doesn't say praying in tongues. No, no, no. I know it doesn't say it there, but we just read in, in 1 Corinthians. 
Paul said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful. What's the conclusion then? And he said, I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. So Judah's saying, hey, listen, build yourselves up by praying in tongues. Pray in English and pray in tongues. Why? Because it builds you up. It edifies you. It strengthens you so that you can continue to serve the Lord in victory, in power, in might, and minister to others. Speaking of uh, building yourself up and praying in tongues, I asked Lana Shaw, she attends our TKK campus, to just shoot over like a three or four minute testimony on praying in tongues and what that means to her. We're going to watch a video of her in a moment, but I want you to know she's part of our church family. It's not something that she grew up listening to or hearing about, but she had an encounter with the Lord, and she's been praying in tongues for many, many years. Let's watch her give her story, and when she's done, I'll come up and finish the message. Hey, Lakeshore Gastonia. Uh, my name is Lana Shaw, and I'm with the TGK campus. And I am going to share just a little bit about my experience um, praying in the Spirit. So I didn't really grow up with a strong understanding of that. It wasn't taught in the churches that I went to um, as a child. And my first encounter was actually as a late teen, um, driving home one day, praying in the car, just praying passionately about something. And I found that I just did not have the words, but there was such an inner kind of groaning and um, bubbling that was coming forth. And, and I began just praying with groanings and also words that I didn't recognize. And I found that it was such a release um, for me when I just allowed myself and let myself do that to be able to pray in this way that I knew, I knew that God knew, he saw my heart, he was hearing my cries, he, he understood my language. And then I later came to understand that that was, you know, praying in the spirit. Um, and you know, what Paul talks about in First uh, Corinthians, I believe it's 14, where he talks about, I will pray, with my spirit, I will pray with my mind, um, and I will sing with my spirit, I will sing with my mind. Man, there's such a benefit in utilizing both because yes, I love to pray with my mind. I love to know what I'm praying. I love to do things like go through the Lord's Prayer and like let the Lord lead me through and I'm understanding what I'm praying. But I also know that that's limited and that only gets me so far. Um, because I can't lean on my own understanding. Um, when I pray in the spirit, it's acknowledging my limitation and it's acknowledging that I don't know everything. And it's acknowledging that I'm still going to pray even when I don't know what to pray and that I'm going to let the Holy Spirit and rely on the Holy Spirit to pray through me. It's also a pathway from my spirit to, um, be at the forefront and to engage primarily with the spirit of the living God. Um, you know, sometimes when it's always our mind at the forefront, always our mind, um, kind of in control and, and thinking through everything, um, we don't get as much strategy from heaven. Um, we can, but man, my strongest times where I've gotten answers or strategy or things have come to me, it's been in that time spirit to spirit when my mind has not been engaged. My mind has been more, Hey, you're going to take a back seat right now. And this mm. is going to be where I really get to um, engage my spirit. And that is, I think, an important key to remember because there have been times when um, the more I've prayed in the spirit where I have not engaged my spirit, even as I'm speaking um, in another tongue. So that has happened before and it feels fruitless where you 
are kind of, it's almost like a muscle memory. You're just doing what you know to do, but you're not, you're kind of checking out. Um, and I don't mean mentally, but I mean with your spirit. So it's really important for me that I engage that, you know, the deepest seat of my um, being, um, you know, my longings, my, my, that connection with God, that part of me. Um, even if I don't understand it all, I'm, I am allowing and trusting that the Holy Spirit is um, working through me, praying through me, meeting with my spirit um, to, to give worship to God and prayers to God. <clears throat> and it really is a way to kind of keep your spirit awake. You know, we live in a time where everything around us is meant to have our, our spirits fall asleep and slumber. Yeah. Uh, the distractions and the numbing and just the culture of consumption. It's all meant to numb and, and create make our spirits fall asleep. So this is just a great way to engage and to try to keep your spirit alive and um, and to just give yourself a break too mentally where you don't always have to be uh, figuring out or thinking through or strategizing how to pray. All of that is great, but it's only it's only a piece. Um, and so I love that verse in First Corinthians where Paul talks about praying with both both his spirit and his mind. And it's been a powerful thing for me. So I hope you guys have a great Sunday. Amen. I'm just curious. Never mind. That was more me than it was the Lord. There is a strength and a benefit that comes from learning uh, how to pray and lean in and pray in the Spirit. So, number one was personal communion with God. Here's the second uh, purpose, if you're taking notes. The corporate gift of tongues. Say corporate. Yeah, I don't mean the corporate world. Or maybe we could say utilizing or using tongues in the body of Christ or in a gathering with other believers. Let me explain. Different from one's personal communion with God, the corporate gift of tongues, referenced as different kinds of tongues, when combined with its companion gift, the interpretation of tongues, it yields the same result as the gift of prophecy. It builds, it strengthens, and it brings comfort. In other words, the corporate gift of tongues is different in its um, purpose than the personal gift of tongues. Personal is for me. Corporate is through me for someone else. That's going to require the interpretation. If I get up here and I'm just praying in tongues and praying in tongues, and then I say, did you get that message? And you're like, no. I didn't understand the word you said. Well, that, that's not what we want to do. That's, we need to be preaching in English so that you get it. But there are times when God would, in a body of Christ, in a group or in a church gathering, He would give someone a tongue that they don't understand. That's not in their dialect, their English language. I'll use that. And someone else would receive the interpretation. Sometimes the same person who gives the tongue brings the interpretation. If it's out to you, you need to understand it. But it's from me to God, and there's a few of us doing that, and we're just praying to God. That doesn't need the interpretation. That's different. So there's personal, and then there's corporate. And if we bring the interpretation, it's just like doing it in English with a prophetic word. 
it ultimately brings an encouragement and a strengthening to the body. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14.5. This is what Paul said. I wish you all spoke with tongues, listen, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless, somebody say unless, unless indeed he interprets that the church, the body, may be or receive edification. So he wants us to learn how to prophesy. That means just allow... We have to, we, we're not studying the gifts of the Spirit right now. We will. But we can all prophesy. What does that mean? Again, you're going through the grocery store and you see somebody with her child and the Lord just put something in your spirit for them. doesn't have to be weird. Jesus wasn't weird. Amen. doesn't have to be scary. Jesus wasn't scary. You can walk up to a person and you can say something like, Ma'am, I hope you're having a good day. I just, I just wanted to encourage you in something real quick. And, and it's simple. God sees your struggle. He loves you. And he just wants you to put your trust in him because he's promising to supply all of your needs for you and your family. And you don't have to worry. Just look to him. Come on, how many of you know that that could bring some strength and some encouragement to a mommy who might be going through something? What is that? That's just a prophetic word. That's something that speaks God's words of strength and comfort and encouragement. So I just wanted to point out, the second one is the corporate gift of tongues. Let me read 1 Corinthians 14, 12, and 13. Listen to this. Even so you, since you are zealous, eager for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Verse 13. Therefore let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So if you're going to be using that gift towards people in a body of believers or a grouping of the body of Christ, pray that you can interpret that. If it's for you, don't do that. Keep it between you and God because you're not going to bring any strength or any encouragement to the body of Christ if they can't understand what you're saying. Does that make sense? Somebody say amen. So number one is personal. Number two is corporate. Letter C or number three. You ready? Tongues as a sign. Here's the third and last one. Tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. Say sign. Okay? So here's the third way or purpose for tongues. Tongues as a sign to the unbeliever. 1 Corinthians 14.22 Therefore, tongues are for a sign to those who believe or not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Focus on the first part. Tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. There are at least two ways that tongues can be assigned to unbelievers. Here they are. First, it happens if any unbelievers are present in the church, when a message in tongues and interpretation is given, like the believers, their attention will also be captured and their hearts will be softened by this prophetic result once the interpretation is given. Like on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, they were speaking in tongues. It drew a whole bunch of people. What were they doing in tongues? They were glorifying God. It caught people's attention. What did that result in? 3,000 unbelievers... Got saved. That was a sign. Number two, or the second way it can be as a sign. 
Second way tongues can be assigned to unbelievers is through miraculous communication like we see recorded in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, unbelievers rushed into the streets in response to the sound of the Holy Spirit's arrival, and they saw them all speaking in tongues. By the way, let me just say this. If those of you who know your Bible, you know that some of them who heard them speaking in tongues said they're drunk. Is that true? Is that what it said? Why would they say that? Because it was not normal. It was something beyond our earthly realm of familiarity. And, and some of them probably didn't get what they were saying. I know it says they understood them. But some of them probably didn't because they're drunk. They're out of their mind. And then Peter said, they're not drunk. It's like 6 in the morning, 9 in the morning. Some of you might be, well, that's no problem for some people. Well, just reasonably, reasonably, it, they won't be drinking early in the morning, right? You with me? I got you to wake up right there, didn't I? A right? little bit of humor is okay. But they said that because they didn't understand. Can I just say this as we're getting ready to close? Speaking in tongues is not something we can understand with our mind. It's not something we get with our natural human understanding. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. They will speak with new tongues. That's what he said. Don't get mad at me. I'm not the one saying it. He said it. Okay? In your study guide, there are four ways that tongues are used. I'm going to just mention them. Praise, intercession, rebuke or spiritual warfare, and exhortation. By the way, intercession is a little more different than just prayer. Interceding is very pointed. It's like sharpshooting. And a lot of times it's for another person or for another people or another group of persons. It's very specific and you're really leaning in and you can use tongues as a way to intercede. Here's the key takeaways and we're done. Okay, In his great commission, Jesus said those who believe would speak with new tongues. Scripture shows at least three different purposes for speaking in tongues, personal, corporate, and assigned for unbelievers. And at least four uses of tongues can be gleaned from the Scripture. Praise, intercession, rebuke, and exhortation. Were you blessed by the Word today? Did you get something out of that? Come on and stand to your feet, and we'll close in prayer. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.